Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You know, we tend to think that, well, even if I'm not as serious as I should be about my relationship with the Lord, even if I am compromised, even if I give in to my flesh much of the time, it's okay because I'll die and I'll just go to heaven and it'll all be good. Many people are going to have a rude awakening when they arrive in heaven because it won't all be good. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, in a message titled, Running for the Prize. Now, here's Pastor Brian. I don't know, for whatever reason, we, maybe we did that sport ourselves, and so we're really drawn to that. And then there are categories that we don't have any interest in at all. But even in those where we have an interest, you know, we might be able to think of someone who won the gold medal at a certain point, but after a while, you're kind of like, wait, who was that person? I, you know, it's a transitory thing. Christians, on the other hand, are called to exercise restraint and self-control and discipline on the journey that leads to lasting glory. The journey that leads to lasting glory. Now, we all like a champion. We all have that person that we get attached to in that event, and we cheer them on, and we're so excited for them in their endeavor here on earth to attain whatever it is. But again, Paul wants to remind them, look, we are playing for something so much greater. And the question really is, how can we not discipline ourselves when we understand what is at stake? that we're serving the Lord Jesus, that this is an eternal crown that is there available to us. Now, Paul goes on in verse 27, and he lays out his personal settled strategy. And I want you to think about the word settled. So this wasn't something Paul did on a whim. It wasn't something that he was emotionally moved to do on particular occasions. This was something that he was settled into doing. He was convicted about this as a way of life. And what does he say in verse 27? And I don't run like someone running aimlessly with no goal. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. Other translations read, I discipline my body. I subdue my body. I keep my body under. Now understand that when Paul is talking about his body, he's talking about himself. And of course, the body is the means through which we (laughs) express ourselves. 
So the body is the thing that the sinful nature will try to use against us to prevent us from spiritually advancing. And so this is why Paul says that he strikes a blow to his body or to himself, that he would subdue his own desires and that the body would be the slave of his spiritual life rather than he becoming the slave of his body. And this is really what life comes down to. You're either enslaved by your body or your body is under the control of the spirit. Paul says that we are to bring our bodies into subjection to the spirit. I like the way the message put it. He said, Eugene Peterson wrote the message. He said, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. I think this is an interesting translation. We've shared from it recently, the call to worship in the morning is from the message. So Eugene Peterson was a scholar. He was a linguistic scholar. And so he had the scholarly ability to translate. But I think this passage is very interesting because he was also a marathon runner. And so you can see that he's, he's writing this and interjecting to some extent his own experience. So this is something that we need to know. The greatest enemy of my spiritual life is not the devil, is not the world. The greatest enemy of my spiritual life is me. You are looking at my greatest enemy. And if you look in the mirror, you'll be looking at your greatest enemy. We must deal with ourselves. And you see, as Paul's speaking to these Corinthians, there's a group of them that don't want to do that. Because they say, hey, we're free, Paul. We have rights. You're infringing on our rights. We're saved by grace, Paul. What are you trying to lay this stuff on us for, like discipline? And there are many voices that will tell us the same thing today. We must deal with ourselves. We must discipline ourselves. Do you know, I think this is a really good thing to implement into your life. Try to do something regularly that you don't want to do. Seriously. Make yourself do things that you don't want to do. That's what discipline is. You start training yourself. Now, like I mentioned, I have plenty of areas where I'm not doing that, but I can tell you a couple areas where I do do that. Um, and going back to the running thing. So these days I run about 20 miles a week. And you know what? Every single day that I get up, now three or four days a week, to go run, I don't want to do it. As a matter of fact, 
I spend quite a amount of time in my mind trying to talk myself out of it or give myself all kinds of reasons why today I shouldn't do it. And Cheryl can testify to this. I mean, sometimes I even get up, get dressed in my running clothes, and then just kind of walk around the house, get a cup of coffee, sit down. I don't, you know, go out to the car, start the car. Oh, do I really want to do this? But I do run about 20 miles a week. Not because I want to do it. Because I really don't want to do it. But I know I need to do it because I don't want to do it. It's a discipline. And I have thought about this over the years. I've thought about, you know, this is, this is kind of a dark thought, but I've thought about, you know, what, what would happen if the day came where we really had real persecution? What would happen if the day came where, because I'm a pastor, they decided we're going to arrest you and you're going to go to jail? Those are some of the morbid thoughts that I occasionally think about. But I mean, it's a possibility, of course, right? But I've thought about, you know, if that ever happened, I wouldn't have time to prepare myself for that necessarily. I need to be prepared now if something like that were to happen. So again, Paul is calling us. He says, as we read here, he says, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. Now this is particularly offensive in this present moment, isn't it? Because I mean, very few, few people want to do this. The only reason people do it today is for some kind of physical advantage or maybe some kind of advantage like, well, if I do this, I'm going to win this and then I'm going to be famous or rich or whatever. But for the spiritual well-being, there seems to be this lackadaisical approach to our lives spiritually. We've talked in previous teachings over the past couple of years about spiritual disciplines, about doing the things consistently and faithfully that build up our spiritual lives. And so Paul says that's what he does. And he says he does this that he would not be disqualified that he would not be disqualified. What happens to an athlete who is disqualified? Well, they forfeit the prize. Think of someone like Lance Armstrong. You remember that name? Very, very well-known. Seven-time Tour de France winner. And everybody was so amazed at his resilience. Everybody was so amazed that he continued to perform as well as he did and to win year after year. And then it was discovered that he had used performance-enhancing drugs and all of his titles were stripped away. Rightfully so. But that's what Paul is talking about. Sobering words, Paul says, 
He does not want this to happen. He does not want that after he has preached to others, he himself should become disqualified. And unfortunately, there are too many examples that we could draw on today of people who have done this very thing. Probably the most well-known in recent time is Ravi Zacharias. Ravi was, from all appearances, a great man, a great apologist, a great advocate of the gospel. Ravi's been on this platform a number of times. He's spoken at events here at our church. And some of you remember he died a while back, rather suddenly it seemed. But after his death, things began to be uncovered that nobody would believe that he had basically been living a double life, that he had been involved sexually with women all around the world. And where at his death, he was celebrated and he was lamented and mourned because of this great champion of the faith had gone to glory, yes, good for him, but people here were devastated. And now today, his name has become a name that you, you don't want to mention or even note necessarily that you had a friendship with him. So he preached to others. He preached to thousands, maybe even millions but he himself was disqualified. He disqualified in the eyes of the public. He's disqualified in the eyes of the church. And undoubtedly, he was disqualified in some way before the Lord. So Paul says, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What is he talking about? What, what does Paul mean, disqualified for the prize? Is being, here's a question, is being disqualified losing one's salvation? Some people believe that that's what the text is warning about. Another version, actually the King James Version reads, Instead of the word disqualified, it has the word castaway. Lest I would become a castaway. I personally do not think it's possible to lose one's salvation. Nevertheless, this is a real and a serious warning. See, sometimes people just think, well, you know, as long as I don't lose my salvation, it's all cool and I just live what I want, and I, yeah, I know I probably should try to do better, but, I, but I'm saved. That's all that really matters. Not according to Paul. For Paul, the thought of being set aside, two things are at stake here in Paul's mind. The thought of being set aside as no longer useful to Christ because he failed to subdue his own passions and desires, caused him to shudder in fear. 
the thought of that. For Paul, the thought of preaching to others and then himself being disqualified, that was a thought he did not want to even entertain. But then beyond that, to think of missing out on the prize of hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, was more than Paul could bear to think about. You see, these are things that we have to consider. It's not a matter of, well, I, all that matters is that I get to heaven. We don't want to fool ourselves with that. To be disqualified for the prize will be to be saved by the skin of our teeth, so to speak. And that's not really a good thing. You know, we tend to think that, well, even if I'm not as serious as I should be about my relationship with the Lord, even if I am compromised, even if I give in to my flesh much of the time, it's okay because I'll die and I'll just go to heaven and it'll all be good. Many people are going to have a rude awakening when they arrive in heaven because it won't all be good. You know, Peter warns us about the possibility, and he's speaking to believers, he warns us about the possibility of being ashamed before Christ at his appearing. Now, I don't know about you, but I have done certain things in my life that I regret having done and was ashamed of doing. And I don't know about you, but I don't like that experience. I don't like that experience of being ashamed. Well, this is on a whole nother level of being ashamed. Yeah, you, in the end, you, you'll be saved. But as Paul earlier in this letter referred to, as though by fire, saved by fire. Again, by the skin of our teeth. Think about this, to see Christ in all his beauty, glory, majesty, and love, and to realize at that moment that we wasted our gifts and calling, that we squandered what God had invested into us to indulge ourselves our gifts, our calling, all the opportunities that he set before us because we were more concerned about pleasing ourselves than the one who shed his blood for us. This will be a painful day indeed. Even though we will be saved. As Paul spoke in the third chapter, the things of our life will either be wood, hay, and straw, which is consumed, or gold, silver, and precious stones. Both people are saved. Which one would you rather be? So let's stop now living for ourselves and start really living for Christ and his kingdom. I have to say, I've said this before, but just never ceases to amaze me. I'm 64. 
I guarantee there's much less road ahead of me than there is behind me. Having walked with Jesus for 40 plus years, I don't want to trade that in at the end for some what? Some momentary. And I say that because I know people my age who are doing that. And I just honestly think, really? Really? I mean, now? I mean, it it would have never been a good choice, but I might understand it if you were 40 because you think you got a lot of head and you you might even still be good looking and you might still be in good shape and you might still have some things you could do. But hey, when you're 60, listen. Everyone over 60, listen. Get it out of your mind completely. You know, maybe all the girls swooned when you walked by when you were younger, but they don't now. Guaranteed. But in your mind, you might think they do, but they don't. Just know for a fact they do not do that. (laughs) But listen, people are compromising their faith for this kind of stuff all the time. And God help us to have the mind of the Apostle Paul. Here it is. Let's give it everything we've got. No more sloppy living. Let's stay alert and in top condition spiritually. You know, again, at at this stage in life, I mean, trying to stay in shape physically, man, it's tough. And it's just going to get harder as time goes. And I still want to do it. But the more important thing is staying in shape spiritually. Because like Paul reminded Timothy, bodily exercise is profitable for some things. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promises not only for this life, but also for the life to come. And so let's stay alert and in top condition spiritually. Let's run in such a way as to get the prize. Let's run in such a way as to get the prize. The prize of that eschatological destiny of being with Christ and glorified with Christ and entering in ultimately to the fullness of what God intended when he saved us in the first place. For the month of March, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. Can a Christian become demon-possessed? Is there really an unseen spiritual battle behind large-scale world events and the details of individual lives? If you've ever wondered about the unseen spiritual realm and its influence upon the physical world, then this month's book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, will answer these very questions. If you want to better understand the spiritual battle that we're involved in as Christians, how to recognize the tactics of the enemy, and how to live a victorious Christian life, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. 
The book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th, and this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian, you and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. And it is the trip of a lifetime. So we'd love to have you join us. And if you're interested, we're going to have an informational meeting on Sunday, March 20th at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Or you can find out the details if you go online at israel.cccm.com. Yep. We hope you can join us. It's going to be great. It will be.